Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When we first met with her, we were yeah. in a Zoom and she, her whole <laughs> window was filled with Grogu's everywhere. And listening to her story about how her father introduced her yeah, to Star Wars yeah. as well, it's just that common ground yeah, again that, yeah. you know, we're all fans and and how it came into someone's life is always so so fun and, and she's no different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Greetings, Earthlings. This is not a Fast and Furious podcast, but we're going to be talking all about family here today on the Day of a Dispatch Because The Mandalorian just wrapped up season three and ended as a story of a father and son just sitting on a porch and in the yard, just living the simple life. Ah, but of course, nothing is ever that simple. We will break down the finale and everything that went down. Plus, we've got Bo-Katan herself, Katie Sackhoff, as well as finale director Rick Famua here to talk Mando with us. Plus, we have a big announcement to make. If you're a regular Listener to the pod, and we hope you are, you are going to want to stay tuned for that. Big announcement coming, big guests coming, and a big, big episode of The Mandalorian to talk about. So let's start talking. I'm Dalton Ross, ready to to light the great forge here with Devin Kogan and Lauren Morgan. All three of us were either up late or up early, depending on our coast, to watch the finale. Devin, you had to write it up for EW. How are you holding up? Um, I'm a little sleep deprived and I am a little glad that the season is over so that I can, I can stop, you know, staying up until one in the morning, um, each week to, to watch this show. Uh, but yeah, what if, what a fun finale. I'm, I'm excited to get to talk about it with you guys. And Lauren, did you, since it was a finale, did you get up any earlier than normal? What time did you set the alarm for? I did not set my alarm. I just kind of naturally woke up at 6.15 and my daughter wakes up at 7. So I just watched it in that little gap I had between when I was up and when, and I got to actually watch it on a television because normally I watch either The Mandalorian on my computer and a couple of times I have watched it on my phone. So I actually watched it on a television today, which was unusual for me. I can't believe I was up before Lauren Morgan watching Mm -hmm. The Mandalorian. That 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 is crazy pants right there. Um, well, as I mentioned, we do have a big announcement that we're going to make, and we've got some great guests and Katie Sackoff and, uh, and the man who directed the finale, Rick Famuwa. So uh, stay tuned for all that lot coming. But obviously, Mandalorian season three finale, uh, got to get into it, share our thoughts about how they wrapped things up here. And um, why don't we just start with that? Just sort of basic big picture thoughts that we can get a little more nitty gritty Devin, uh, hit us up. What'd you think of the uh, of chapter twenty four, the return? The return, great, great title. Um, yeah, I really like this episode. I I thought it was a nice payoff to all the storylines we've kind of been following all this whole season. Um, I it I'm I'm curious to talk to you guys about it because I. I liked this episode. There was nothing wrong with it. I was expecting maybe a little bit more. You know, I think we've probably gotten a little spoiled, you know, between seasons one and two where we have like these big epic moments where it's like, oh my God, Luke Skywalker's back or oh my God, here's this big reveal or here's a crazy cameo or whatever. And this was just a very straightforward finale. You know, everything that we've sort of been predicting all season kind of happened. You know, we had uh, Grogu taking on more of like an active role and, you know, to helping to to protect his uh his father which is was my favorite reveal of the of the episode um we got Bo-Katan returning to Mandalore you know taking up her rightful place we got a Moff Gideon showdown um this checked the boxes for me in a lot of ways I I just felt like I wanted maybe a little bit more and I feel like that's kind of been my 
I don't know. That's I, I think this is a really solid season. There's, you know, nothing wrong with it. But I think my expectations were maybe set a little bit too high. And that might be on me. That might be on, on me for for wanting, you know, uh we maybe we do too much theorizing on this show. And, you know, I, I was listening, I missed the episode last week, but I had fun listening to all of your guys' predictions and all of you were wrong. Yeah. I was wrong too. So yeah. um there you go. <laughs> So, Lauren, uh, give us your big picture thoughts on the episode. I thought it was a pretty decent finale to a pretty lumpy season. Like, overall, like, it did tie uh, together a lot of the plots. But I kind of just felt like the dramatic uh, momentum of the season wasn't really there. Like, I I do think it was still a mistake, and we've mentioned it before, that they had the Grogu reunion on Book of Boba Fett. Like, I really think this probably should have been like a Grogu-less season and, you know, having Din dealing with the Mandalorian, still missing Grogu and then reuniting a Mandalore, but then at the coda to the season, he finally reunites with Grogu because for a long time in this season, Din and Grogu just kind of seem like side characters. And I think it was just kind of like not super satisfying overall, even as much as I did enjoy the Mandalorian stuff and seeing Bo-Katan and all that kind of stuff. Like overall, I'm like, yeah, if they had a chance to redo this, I would probably restructure the season. Um, though, you know, I mean, I am glad though that we're, you know, the Mandalorians are on Mandalore rebuilding and, and Din and Grogu are going to go off and do more adventures. So hopefully season four is going to be more of a, you know, the, you know, uh, lone wolf and cub kind of thing that we had before because I, I i kind of would prefer if din and Grogu were a little bit more central to the storytelling uh in the next season yeah i mean it was i mean listen i i've never seen more jetpacks in my entire life than in this episode. so, <laughs> so, so you know Dalton's i was happy, happy about that. yeah a plus 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 a plus plus is so uh, very happy with that i mean good guy jetpacks bad guy jetpacks everyone had a jetpack yeah. it was uh, pretty but, great to have my i wrote in my this in my notes but i think honestly one of my favorite parts of the finale was the armorer flying around on a jetpack and just oh, yeah. whacking people with her hammer yeah like, that's yeah. pretty cool that was pretty because uh, oh. at first i was like you know bo katan takes up the dark saber everybody's got pistol cool. and then i'm like what the heck are you gonna do with <laughs> <laughs> like an, uh, a hammer like and then i was like oh yeah i guess we're gonna get like thor in here and she's just gonna start whacking people with a hammer so i, I thought i thought Bo taking out the dark saber while in flight was pretty cool like flying with the dark saber was was pretty neat um so i mean i, I love that and but i i understand what you guys are saying i mean it was it was really like a Bo-Katan spinoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. right it was like the book of the book of Bo- Bo-Katan. yeah i mean that's kind of what it was like so it wasn't like i didn't think it was bad uh, I liked it. Uh, you know, like I like stories focused on Mandalorians, but I understand what you guys are saying that it really wasn't a Din and Grogu season and they're the the sort of centerpiece of this show. I also thought it was interesting that, you know, I spoke with John Favreau and Dave Filoni before the season and, you know, Favreau talked about the two year two years of training mm-hmm. that Grogu did with Luke Skywalker and how we were going to see a more powerful Grogu. I guess we did. But like some of the stuff we saw him do and like fighting the Praetorian Guard, this, like we've seen flashes of that in every season. Every season there's been one big scene where like all of a sudden like he stops some big creature and like how did that happen? Then you look and you see Grogu concentrating with his hand out. So I thought we'd get more force wielding yeah. from Grogu this season. Was I the only one that thought that? I thought so too, but also like, I guess the change is now he doesn't get super sleepy after it because before it like he used to <laughs> knock him out and I was like oh he's still alert okay so he's you know that's like the only change that I really noticed and that's not a dramatic dividend not right really. that's not paying like, any oh, he's sort awake of dramatic- now like he's not okay. gonna go take a nap for yeah, like half yeah. the season I will say I made this prediction at the beginning of the season um, that I thought we were gonna get Grogu's first words and yes. uh, no we still we still don't have that. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about. Hey, wait, wait, Devin, Devin, I want to stick on that point because that's such a good point because they set it up perfectly. They had the armor say, no, Grogu cannot, like, you yeah. know. He's too be, young to speak he, the Creed. He's too young to speak the Creed. I said, oh my God, here we go. Devin called it. She called it before the season started. And then, no. I was actually really glad that they didn't do that. Like, I, I was just like, oh, they're going to, like, uh, I, I. He's going to say, know. this is the way. But, and it's yeah. going to be, you I know. mean, I honestly thought last week, with him going no and yes was really funny so like i was like does that count as his first word and we didn't really get a chance to talk about that last week but the whole thing with him going no yes no yes and like din having to try and control him i'm like this is so like this is so like just dealing with a toddler who can't say anything except no and yes and you're just like 
Ugh. So I, I liked that part of it. And I was kind of glad, like, you know, he's just going to coo for a little while longer. Because if he said this is the way, I probably would have thought that was pretty true. But, you know. Yeah. Who do you cast to play the voice of Grogu? Do you just Frank have Oz like. Just doing his Muppet baby voice? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is a good point because while that would have been a really dramatic moment for him to say those words and would have been sort of the perfect timing, it is you have to think past that. And like mm-hmm. yeah. Grogu, why people love Grogu is because he doesn't talk. Like yeah. it's like on the sitcom when the when the cute kid gets a little older and is less cute and like now you gotta bring in another Rudy or like another, you know, you bring cousin Oliver as we've talked about, yeah. or Sam on different strokes. It's like cause Arnold's not as cute anymore. It's like so you kind of wanna keep him in that same space where he just goes like mm-hmm. you know like because once he talks then it's just you know i don't know if that's gonna be as enticing for viewers yeah um so it, it is it, it's interesting that we it was a very the entire episode was just a battle it was a continuation yeah, yeah. of the battle from last week and it went very classic star wars star wars loves to do a big battle happening in one place with a beep, beep, and then a smaller, more intimate battle between the main bad guy and main good guy someplace else. And that's exactly what they did here. How did that uh, feel to you, Dem? Yeah, I think there was a lot of moments in this whole episode that felt very Star Wars to me, you know, in a, in a way that, you know, it kind of felt like, let's play the greatest hits. Like you said, we've got this, you know, smaller battle happening as, as the larger battle is going on. There's the whole bit where um, Din is going through that area with the, um, with the force fields that felt that straight duel of the fates, um, yeah. you know, with, with the force fields and, and battling these guys. Um, what everything- are those guys doing in there, by the way? Like, yeah, they're just hanging out. They're not, they're not like droids right so like what why they're just hanging out in a very confined area like between two barrier shields i don't understand that at all yeah Yeah, i think they'd be at the end of the barrier shields not like they just stick like two between i mean it was cool looks cool but kind of not super sensical not necessarily the most, um, you know, helpful way to to guard somebody is if you're, yeah. you know, okay, we're going to put two guys over here and two guys over here so that they can pick him off one by one as opposed to, hey, like, why don't we put like 15 guys in the same place? And yeah, because it's like if all 15 of them were on Din, like you've literally just given him just, an, just uh, you know, the amount of guards he can knock out. Like, you know, it's like, all right, Dan, these two down, these two down. But if you had like 15 going at him at once, he might have like actually not gotten through. It was, it was a little puzzling but it's a little puzzling but yeah, yeah. There, there were a lot of moments like that where i felt like oh this is you know we're, we're doing the star wars greatest hits you know we've got r5 you know helping to um adjust the shields that felt very much like um you know r2 shut down the trash compactor um it just i guess this- all droids have jetpacks now by the way Devin. Yeah. like all droids oh, yeah. can fly now r2 r5 they all can fly I mean, yeah, they obviously. fly now. They they <laughs> fly now. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of moments like that where it, where it felt very very Star Warsy. Um, and yeah, I, I this this whole episode, like I, I sound a little down on it. When I liked watching it, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I think you know our standards have been set very high. And I think this is this is a this whole season. I've been I, I completely agree with Lauren. I think the biggest mistake was was putting the Grogu reunion in the book of Boba Fett. And I, I feel like this. This whole episode sort or this whole season sort of lost a little bit of that momentum for me. Because to me, what I like about The Mandalorian and what what really sold me on it was this sort of like lone wolf and cub having adventures every week. And it feels like now the finale is finally setting up that um that future. And I'm like, okay, great. I can't wait for season four. But then, you know, I, I don't I don't know how much payoff there was um for season three but i i do want to talk about the 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 very ending mm-hmm. um where we're on mandalore we have bo katan is sort of you know crowned as the as the official ruler of mandalore um she relights the the great forge um even though she doesn't have the dark saber r.i.p the dark saber um and we have uh we're back in the living waters um and you know we Din officially takes Grogu on as his apprentice. Um, and he is now called Din Grogu, which is <laughs> Lauren's like, that was dumb. No, but I, I, so that was something that, that surprised me. I was like, oh, I thought Jaren was his family name. And Din yeah, was that's his what first I was name. like, isn't it Grogu Jaren? So is Din his last name? And like his first name is Jaren? Like, huh? Like, I, I was just like, the nomenclature rules here don't seem to be working the way I thought they were. So. 
Right, like is it a title like like Grand Moff or yeah, because, you know, like, Chancellor? You talk, you talk about Bo-Katan Kreese, she's part of House Kreese. Like, you know, Satine is part of, like, not Satine, uh, Sabine is part of House Wren. Like, you know, like, so, okay, so, like, does the yeah, watch the children do of the watch got their own rules, Lauren. They're yeah, doing their own so. thing. They're not taking helmets off. But I was off, like, they're... I've already dealt with one name change with Grogu. I'm not doing another one. I am not I am not calling him Din Grogu. That's baby Din? Just dumb. Um, baby Din? No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm, he's just Grogu or Baby Yoda, as my daughter still likes to refer to him. Yeah, he's still Baby Yoda. Let's be yeah. real. Everyone still calls him Baby Yoda. Yeah, no, I'm not calling him Din Grogu. I'm sorry. That's just a bridge too far. But, 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 but go ahead, Devin. Yeah, finish what you're going to say because I want to weigh in. I did like that moment where, um, you know, Din official, I guess, Din Djarin, we should, we should officially call him by uh-huh. his, his first full name since we now have mm-hmm. two Dins. Um, but I did like that moment where, where Din says, no, I officially want to adopt this foundling as my son. Um, and, and make that bond official. It's not surprising. I mean, they're basically father and son at this point, but it was a nice emotional moment that I feel like um, was a nice payoff. Again, I wish we would have seen a little bit more of a Din and Grogu centric story this season. Um, And I feel like that would have maybe paid it off a little bit more, Um, but it it was a really, really nice moment. And I, I do love the ending with them going to hang out on this cabin on Navarro where, you know, they can just go have adventures in season four and, and in between they can come home to this cabin and Grogu can levitate all the frogs he wants with the force. And, you know, I thought it was a very sweet, very well-earned ending. Um, I wish there was maybe a little bit more emotional payoff throughout the season. Yeah. I, so I, I've had a few different thoughts about the ending. There's, a, and I want to go back, and there's a few things I want to talk about earlier that we can get to. But, but just as we're talking about the ending as a whole, at first I kind of watched it, and honestly, my initial reaction was like, "Huh, that's it. Yeah, that's all we're getting." Mm-hmm. And, and and then I sort of caught myself. And this is what happens when you bring Luke Skywalker back in your season yes. two finale, and you brought yeah. this up, Devin. When you do that, you set a bar. But the bar can be a dangerous bar. Like think of like a a soap opera type show. Like a like you know, like I remember like Empire. Do you remember Empire on Fox, which was a huge hit for like a season, and it was sort of the soapy, you know, it look inside the the music business, and they just did a lot of crazy stuff really early in that show. And the problem is when you do super crazy stuff. Then you feel like you have to top it and do even crazier stuff. Yeah, you like just it's blend, constantly, through it, too much plot. Yeah, exactly. you just like have to go crazier and crazier to, to top what you did before. And I actually, on reflection, appreciate that they didn't try to do that here. They went for something completely different. And whether it paid off or not, to your point, Devin, because they did this really wasn't a dinner Grogu based season. At least they ending try to go smaller scale like i kind of appreciate the fact that i like the fact of just like the dad on the porch and the kid in the yard playing you know levitating frogs it's like so i don't know if it completely worked because of what they didn't do during the season but i do like the fact that the ending they didn't try and do some crazy all right now we're going to bring back a cgi leia Mm -hmm. right and we're on cgi han solo we're going to de-age some more people and have them like show up in the falcon like i actually kind of like that they resisted that temptation and they just went smaller scale. And again, I, I think it could have, I think we all agree it could have worked more if we built, but, but it still hit, like it still hits. It's like that relationship is the core of this show. And even though they kind of abandoned it somewhat this season, they did come back to it at the end. And just like him making that official proclamation, I am his father. I am your father. Uh, hey. Now it, it like it, it it works. So I had to sort of like do a little bit of like mental gymnastics to get to the place where I appreciated that ending and sort of check myself and like those sort of like fanboy instincts of wanting something grabby and huge and OMG. But like, I kind of like that they didn't do that, Lauren. Yeah. I mean, the, the finale in itself, like, you know, it was fun. And, and I think when you think about it, like in terms of like, you know, this is like kind of purely an action adventure story, whereas Andor is like dealing with ideas of fascism and all sorts of stuff like this. But this is like much more centered for like, you know, like space battles and, you know, and jetpacks and, you know, it's just like a fun action show. And so it's sort of like, at some point you just sort of have to dial back what your expectations of what this show is. It's like, just sort of like, it's a big mainstream crowd pleasing kind of show. That's what it's, that's what it's kind of aiming for. Um, 
And I mean, there was a lot about it, like, you know, a lot of the action scenes I really enjoyed, like all of those Mandalorians flying through the air and the, you know, and both Bogotan and, and the armor taking people out, you know, and stuff like that. And I do like the fact that, you know, now they, they do have a home. The one thing was like when, uh, Din adopted Grogu, I was like, hold on, hasn't he already done this? Like, cause like when they, they were like, they became a covert of two. And I was like, is there another, st-? like, I, I had already sort of thought that it was obvious that like, this was Din's kid. So I was kind of like, hold on, didn't we already do this? Like, so that was my, that was my, my part of that one was like, kind of like, okay, I guess they're making it even more official. Like, I mean, he like literally claimed his son back from Luke Skywalker. You know, I, I didn't know that there was another, I guess this is the legal process. Like, you know, so, so this is the finalization, like writing it on the, you know, writing it on the, in Arabesh or something like that. But so that was, I was a little bit like, eh, okay. But I did like that sort of them on Navarro having their own little home. And I'm kind of like curious though, like, if this is your son, could you now take your helmet off in front of him? Or is this still like, I, and that was the other thing I was like, did Pedro Pascal just spend basically a day in an ADR booth, like for this entire season? Cause it's like, we didn't see him. He didn't get it. You, you didn't, we didn't see Pedro Pascal at all. So I was like, well, man, if you know, you, you, you can secure the money for not having to actually show up on set, you know, go, go and do that, Pedro. I know you were, you were busy doing some other stuff as well, but yeah, he was busy was fighting zombies. Yeah. In the last yeah. Of us. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I, you know, God bless him for being able to have the two biggest t- TV franchises at the same time. But it was if- just funny. Like I, I expected we would see him like, like at least, you know, his customary, you know, one shot of Pedro a season, but. What if he just every role he took now, he insists on wearing like a mask or a helmet <laughs> or just something. It just like never left his room and just did the voice. He's just work. like, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't Honestly, need to show them. Nice work if you can get it. But yeah. you, you mentioned something interesting about how, you know, how, how much you liked that this season you know, or that this, this episode ends with that really quiet moment. And I totally agree. And I, I think that one thing I really liked about this episode is that there was no end credit scene. There was no post credits yeah, tease. Yeah. We weren't setting up Ahsoka. We didn't get a, a shoehorned Thrawn cameo. Yeah. Shocked they didn't do that. This is another place where Dalton was wrong again, because Always. he said that Always we would wrong. see, see Thrawn, and I thought, oh, yep. maybe we would, and it just, we didn't see him at all. But, like, let's go back to the, the, big re- the big Moff Gideon reveal, is that he cloned himself. And I was just like, hold on, did the Emperor know you were cloning yourself? Because I thought the Emperor was trying to keep this technology just to him. I can't imagine he was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna let everyone clone themselves. Like, the Emperor's a pretty selfish guy, so I'm just like, did you? Did he like sign off on this, or was this your own like little thing? Like I'm. I well, he did. He did. He can't. Yeah. He's not signing off on anything. I oh, mean, but you know, he's in a test tube somewhere. Yeah, that's like the thing. But I was just like, but it looked. Uh, yeah, I I had questions about that. So so let me <laughs> let, 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 let's let's ask the questions first off. Yeah. Question one: Do we think that's the original Gideon, or is that a clone? Ooh, I didn't even yeah. think about that. I, I, you know, was writing this up for EW and, and wrote in my notes that, you know, this this seemed like a pretty definitive, you know, death for for Gideon. But I think it's a question of which Gideon. Um, yeah. You know, I think they, they were very He used to have clear. a mustache and now he doesn't. So mm, Good point. So, yeah, yeah I think I, I would be very surprised if this is the last we saw of, of Gideon, uh, of Gideon, of, of Giancarlo Esposito, um, especially because one, he's so great. And two, he's a good villain and three uh no one in star wars is ever really dead like if you can climb out of a sarlacc pit or you know get chucked into the belly of a exploding death star and still come back you know eh, whatever it's some flames and fire he'll be fine um but uh yeah so i i want to hear from you guys do you do you think this is the last we saw of Gideon? No, no chance. I, I mean, I've been yelling now at Lauren for clones. weeks about tech, tech on the Bad Batch. And <laughs> I like, she tech just, is dead. She but... thinks she's dead. I mean, no. And I said just what you said, Lauren. Like, no one ever dies in this franchise, it seems. So I, I definitely don't think it's the last we've seen of him. I'm sh- It'll be one of these things where, all right, he killed those clones, right? Like, Din killed those clones. He liked but he his, must, I guess, must have had some other ones somewhere. Exactly. He's got yeah. some other lab somewhere where he's got a few, like, spares. I mean, it's like the freaking um, Horcruxes, right? Yeah. Like, it's just like this is Horcrux City all over again. Look, so, if you're going to clone yourself and create an evil army... I feel um, like you would put the Master clone somewhere else. 
hospitals, yeah. like somewhere safe. Like I'm sure that cloning facility that we saw in the Bad Batch. I'm. I guess if all of the Imperials are cloning themselves, maybe you know, maybe there's a Moff Tarkin in there somewhere. Like what are they, you know. No, but don't put all your clones in one basket. Yeah, don't that's put all true. your clones on one planet. Yeah. You know, because because then somebody's gonna blow them up and you're gonna be like, damn, I wish I had. Damn, more clones. I don't have any clones. You know, but like the, the whole force sensitivity thing. And I was like, hold on, can you clone someone who isn't force sensitive to become force sensitive? That seems a little dubious, but it's just funny how they are just trying to retcon Rise of Skywalker to make any kind of sense. And I'm <laughs> just like, like I could see you cloning someone who already has force ability, but yeah, I just, you know, that that was like a little bit like, okay, I, I accept the cloning, but the well, adding of the force ability is a little bit. Were the cloned Gideons with force powers? Wouldn't they just all be like, all right, let's get rid of the original Gideon now? Like he yeah. doesn't have force powers, like see us, sucker. <laughs> like there's that whole thing. It also, I mean, there's, I mean, this goes back to old Thrawn books too, not the original trilogy, but then there was Timothy Zahn then wrote two books after that uh, that are now not canon where there was a new Thrawn and was it a yeah. clone and what wasn't it a clone and people are trying to figure it out. I won't spoil it for those that want to go read it. But, um, you know, they, they discussed the, at least the possibility of Thrawn cloning in those books, you know, decades ago yeah. that Timothy Zahn wrote. So they, this franchise loves to have clones here, clones there, clones, clones everywhere. That was actually and the original title for Attack of the Clones, but then they decided it was a little too wordy. Yeah. So we all agree that we're like some form of Gideon is coming back at some point. Like, I don't yeah. think like it's episode one, season four, we're going to see him. No. But kind of maybe like what they did here. He's also a guy like Pedro Pascal, Giancarlo Esposito, very busy, always around being villains on various various programs, be it The Boys or, you know, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul or do you remember the show Revolution? He was like a bad guy oh, in that yes. show. Yeah. No electricity. Yeah, yeah I totally. did. I watched. I, I watched the first couple seasons of that. What a show! Uh, De- Devin, being on the Marvel beat, did you feel this? When uh, the one thing I will say that I sort of like didn't hit me as hard as they probably wanted to hit was so you know basically Axe Wu's like crashes the ship actually pretty cool he like jetpacks out of the ship before it crashes and the flames engulf moff gideon is he dead you know that's what we were just discussing and then it's coming towards grogu din and bo katan and then grogu basically holds back the flames in this sort of force pocket bubble felt very groot like in the first guardians of the galaxy am i the only one that felt this is very groot like <laughs> I protecting thought it was the more like star wars rebels where uh, kanan dies and he's holding back the flames so hera right. and everybody well, can escape that too. so that so too. we at least know that that is an established force power you can hold flames back so right. that's, that's what i was thinking of when i saw it what about you devil was going through your mind when you watched no it scene? felt it felt very groot it, you know it, it did i i have expected you know maybe that'll be baby yoda's first words i am groot, groot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> no yeah like i i it's funny that you mentioned marvel because um one of the other things um i think about a lot and and i've, I've talked about this a lot with our colleague christian holub who's on you know a lot of the superhero beats um and he he talks about how, you know, one of his biggest pet peeves, especially in the early Marvel movies, is how, you know, so many times the villain is just like the dark mirror version of the hero. And like they have the same powers, like the same look, same everything. And we, I feel like we got that a little bit with Moff Gideon where he was just like, I'm going to like, he's like, I'm so obsessed with Din. I'm going to like fashion myself some armor that looks like kind of like his, but has some cool spikes on the top. Yeah, and so the then spikes gonna, were a little bit like, huh, Yeah, it's like Iron Man. It's like, yeah. like John Favreau obviously directed the first Iron Man. Exactly. It's like the whole thing yeah. is like two Iron Men battling each other at the end. And this was very much two Iron Men battling each other. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Bo-Katan shows up, so then you have like two Iron Man versus one Iron Man. <laughs> versus a Grogu. <laughs> um, but so so that gave me a, a little bit of, that made me laugh a little bit. Um, but yeah, th- that, that was something. But I, you know, look, I'm never mad that Giancarlo Esposito gets to choose some scenery and like gets to wear a cool outfit and, um, you know, like deliver some some big, you know, Bond villainy speeches. You guys talked about this You lost week. everything. Mandalorians <laughs> are weak. <laughs> right, like, you know, he's just setting up for a great one. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mandalorians are nothing without their toys. And then Bo-Katan's yeah. like, but we're stronger together. And it's yes. like, oh, that's the whole model, the, the whole mm. model of the season. Um, but no, I mean, look, Giancarlo Esposito, he knows how to deliver a like a, a snarly, 
you know, kind of kind of villainy line. So I'm not I'm not mad about yeah. it. Yeah, there are certain actors who really just enjoy playing villains. Like uh, honestly, like Ian McDermott also obviously. There's like people Do who it. just like yeah, just you Do know it. they they just love. <laughs> They just love chewing in the scenery, and John Carlo is definitely one of those people who looks like he's having a lot of fun doing it. So, and that always just makes it enjoyable to see a villain just or an actor just being like, "I'm just, I, I know exactly what I'm gonna do here," you know. So, and he crushes the dark saber. All this stuff about the dark saber, and who has the dark saber, and who's gonna end up with the dark saber? What does it like mean for the future of Mandalore? I kind of was like, okay, because like you know, basically, Bo-Katan's like, I'm just, you know, this, this is a whole, this is a myth. And, you know, that's, uh, that's basically, uh, you know, now, now I'm just going to have to lead without the dark saber. She's like, dude, so I, I saw the mythosaur. I'm good. Yeah, like I saw the freaking mythosaur. I don't need the dark saber anymore. So how many people are going to go, how many Mandalorians are going to go spelunking in the, uh, in the living waters looking for the mythosaur now? So. Good question. No. Good mm-hmm. question. Uh, all right. Anything else you all want to hit on from this episode before we get to our big announcement and our big interview with Katie Sackoff and uh, Rick Famuwa? Um, mm-hmm. I love that we we got IG Eleven finally yeah. rebuilt. He's mm-hmm. he's the new he's back as IG Eleven. Um, rebuilt as the new Marshal of Navarro. He's got a shiny new coat of paint. Um, I love that we saw um, the Anzellan droid smiths again at mm-hmm. the end. Never not mad to see some little baby Babu Fricks running around. Ne- ne- never got confirmation whether Babu Frick is one of those is guys of or not. We still don't really know that. I should have asked uh, Filoni and Favreau that at celebration. That's yeah. true. I, I do. I do want to know. But either way, you know, they're great. We love them. Big fan. Um, honestly, Only I hope that's season four. Only good thing that came four. out of the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Only oh, good God, thing that came out of the is. rise of Skywalker. Um, but yeah, and and you know, I, I I'm excited for where this this is going to go. You know, um, they've said they're moving it forward with season four. We don't have any sort of timeline or you know anything. But you know. Uh, Dalton, you had a great interview um, with John Favreau where he talked about basically like he'll keep making the show as long as it keeps being fun, um, and he can't imagine a time where it's not going to be fun. Um, so I'm 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 curious to see kind of where things go from here. Lauren, anything else you want to say about a uh, final episode? Mm, you know, no. I mean, I think it was just pretty satisfying, but I am glad to see that we're kind of resetting for season four, and it's going to be more you know space adventures uh, with uh, Grogu and Din. Mm. All right. Uh, well, we've got more on this season of the Mandalorian to get to in just in just a minute here with with Katie and Rick as they'll talk about uh, Lizzo getting in there and everything else. It'll be be good stuff. But uh, we do have something else we want to get to. A uh, big announcement to be made. I don't want to steal anyone's thunder. So uh, so Lauren, you have a have, have an announcement. Why don't you make that and we can sort of uh, discuss after you break. We have some breaking news. Here, some breaking Star Wars news here on the podcast, Lauren. Go ahead. So uh, if anybody uh, in the audience uh, follows me on Twitter, you know that I did leave EW uh, about a week and a half ago. I am starting a new job actually tomorrow. Uh, I will be announcing what that job is uh, then, but it's a a pretty big new job. Uh, And so I am, this is my last podcast, uh, though I do hope to be a guest on it in the future. Uh, but uh, since I am going to be working for another outlet and this is an EW-centric podcast, I'm not going to be on this one anymore. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed this adventure for the last year. And thank you to Dalton for inviting me on it. I'm glad I got to put all my random Star Wars opinions somewhere out in the ether and I could just get them out of my head after having them for so long. But yeah, this is my last podcast. So this has actually been the hardest part of leaving because the podcast has just been a highlight of my week for the last year, you know, so this is, uh, you know, hopefully this is, this is not a, not a permanent goodbye, but just sort of a, you know, I'll see you, see you guys later for a while. So. Well, let, let me, let me take everyone sort of inside behind the scenes here. <laughs> how this, you know, the sausage made. Behind the scenes <laughs> of Dagobah Dispatch. Mm-hmm. So De- Devin and I are, you know, writers and editors here at Entertainment Weekly. It is our job to cover this stuff and and to uh, to write about it and and talk about it and do this and that. That is not Lauren's job. All right, when Lauren was here at EW, she she was was an incredible photo editor. She's the person that would get uh, all the great photos and all the articles, this that, what have you. So all the Star Wars coverage she has done over the years, which is a hell of a lot. Uh, appearing on this podcast, writing up Mandalorian recaps, talking about, you know, Clone Wars, Bad Batch, whatever, this, that, and what what have you, ranking clones. That is all stuff she did essentially in like her spare time. She did that because she loves it so much. She did that because she loves this franchise. She loves these characters. 
And so when we started the podcast, I really wanted to get Lauren on it um, so I could make fun of her for all her bad opinions. <laughs> and, but like, it's a lot, was a lot to ask her to do because she's super busy and she's the type of person that like, she's on it way too early in the morning. She's yep. on it way too late at night, like handling photo requests for all these annoying writers and editors like me and Devin. <laughs> and so I was super excited. She said, yeah, so super excited to get her on the podcast. She does this because she's a fan. She does this because she loves doing it, um, as do Devin and I. But mm-hmm. it's also a little part of our purview more than it is Lauren's. And Lauren, it's been it's been so great having you here to do this. Um, I don't know if your sister's already angling to replace <laughs> you on the podcast and talk trash about Ahsoka at every turn, like she did uh, already once. But um, but we are we're so sad to see you go. You've been so uh, amazing to work with on every level, not just doing this podcast. But uh, in all the other ways and all the annoying like survivor uh, photo requests <laughs> I'd send you like every day. Uh, and it's been a joy working with you. And I know we'll still be in touch and I'll, we'll still be texting in this and that. But it, it, it will be a bummer not to have you here on the podcast anymore. And I'm sure Devin would like to say some things. Yeah, I'm still in denial that, that you're <laughs> leaving. I'm, I'm still pretending that I'm, I'm we're going to sign on now, this time next week to to talk about, you know, I don't know, more more clones and Captain Rex and, and all of those good things. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, Dalton said it all. I mean, Lauren, you're extraordinary. You're, you know, you made EW such a better place. And even more importantly, you're just like a good person. And I'm so lucky to get to call you a friend. And um, I look forward to I'm going to keep texting you nonsense about you know <laughs> Star Wars and ridiculousness and you know all, all of those good things so it's it, again it's it's not a true goodbye um, but I, I am very very sad that you know we, we aren't going to get to do this every week because this is truly the most fun part of my job is getting to talk about Star Wars with you two every single week um, it, it feels like oh my god I can't believe this is something I actually get paid to do um, so I'm, I'm gonna miss you know this so 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 much but again the door is always open i have a feeling this is definitely not the last <laughs> we are going to see of of lauren morgan um she may have you know be falling into the death star but we, we've got a couple lauren morgan clones waiting in the in in the wings so i'm know. just like how am how are you guys going to talk about ahsoka without me i'm just mad i, I don't <laughs> like, know what we're gonna i don't know what we're gonna do what we're gonna say listen i'm just d- gonna that- have to like send you like voice memos that you're gonna have to play because i'm just gonna be like like who cool. like i i saw that i got the screeners for star wars visions and i'm like I I'm not gonna have any place to talk about this. So. We're gonna have Lauren Morgan Ahsoka cor- corner where she just schools <laughs> us on Ahsoka lore that we had no idea about. I'll just listen and be like, I have notes for this last <laughs> podcast, and I need to tell you them. So, I, I by the way, I but. hope the mic picked up Lauren like slamming her fists on her desk as she was just talking. <laughs> She's like, boom, boom. boom. L- listen, De- Devin, Sammy, and I, our producer, are so sad to see you go. Well, well, also so excited for you and your new adventure. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I listen, I tend to be a really selfish, self-centered person at heart. So honestly, I'm more sad than excited at this point, <laughs> but give me a little time and I'll eventually get mm-hmm. to a place where I am excited for you, Lauren, and less sort of lamenting, thinking about myself and the massive loss that we're going to have here at Entertainment Weekly uh, due to your absence. Uh, however, there, there is one uh, other person that wanted to weigh in and wish you luck on your new journey. And she recorded a message for you. So let's play that right now. Hi, Lauren. This is Ashley Eckstein. And I just wanted to say this is a new day, a new beginning. And I'm so excited (laughs) for you for your new job and this new beginning. It's so clear that Ahsoka lives in you. Thank you so much for carrying on her light and her legacy. Um, We've enjoyed listening to you at the Dagobah Dispatch, and you will be missed. Everyone will miss you, but we're all so, so excited for you. So I hope our paths cross again soon, but until they do, I just wanted to say, may the Force be with you. Oh, guys, that was amazing. Thank you so much. I thought it was cool when they gave me the uh, EW cover making me into the Mandalorian, but that was pretty, that was amazing. I'm I'm not prone to cry, but I'm feeling a little teary about that. Thank you so much. That was shout out to Dalton for for pulling some strings and making that happen <laughs> because, you know, we knew we couldn't send you off without a, a proper a proper goodbye. No, oh, well, thank you guys. You know, that that was very moving to me, so... 
I'm well, going to miss we, you guys. <laughs> we, we, we are as well. We're going to miss having you here every week. But like I said, we'll have to get, we'll get some, some guest starring appear. You're going to be making cameos now. You're going to be like <laughs> Luke Skywalker, only not CGI'd in. We'll just get you in every once in a while. We'll sneak you on the pod. We won't tell anyone. It'll be our little secret. We'll get Lauren in here to, to give us some, uh, some Star Wars uh, hot takes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we love you, Lauren. I know everyone listening loves getting your, getting your takes, both good and bad. Uh, and, um, you know, we'll miss I having have no you bad takes. Place. They're right. only good. Exactly. They're exactly only right. good. <laughs> uh, in the meanwhile, uh, Lauren is, uh, taking her entertainment weekly computer and burying it in the sands of Tatooine, uh, <laughs> next to those lightsabers. I already uh, actually sent it back. So <laughs> that's what they, she wants you to think. Mm-hmm. She that's didn't really take a, take a trip to yeah. Tatooine. Now we expect you to continue to haunt us like a force ghost. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, give us, give us some, some wisdom about the sacred Jedi texts and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe light some trees on fire. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, listen, ah- Ahsoka herself sending Lauren a, a personal congratulations message is, is a tough act to follow, but mm-hmm. uh, we've got just the duo to do it. I sat down with Katie Sackoff and director Rick Famuwa at Star Wars Celebration just before the last two episodes of The Mandalorian Season 3 aired, and we talked all about Bo-Katan and Lizzo and Christopher Lloyd and Jib Dodger and everything else. <laughs> and we have that interview coming up right after this quick break. It's good stuff here. Katie. Yes. Now that Din's handed over, where's the Darksaber? Did you bring it with you? Is it in your, in your trunk? What's going on? You know, I travel with the Darksaber now. It's just, uh, I had to check a bag. They will not let you carry it on. It's, you know, it's, it's, I know, it's terrible. Yeah, that, like you can't take it anywhere. You would think. I you know. Just, I mean. I don't know. On a plane? Well, that couldn't yeah. do much. No, I mean, I can't, please. It's just to, it's just to protect people. Yes. It's yes. the only reason. You'd never do it. No. Never. So what does that mean for Bo-Katan now that she's she's wielding the blade again? You know, I, I think for Bo, she finally got to a place where she had been humbled enough that um, she didn't want the Darksaber anymore. Um, and, you know, for it to find its way back to mm-hmm. her yeah. at this point, um, after she's she's gone on this journey this season, I think she's finally at a place where she's open to the idea that leading may look different than she'd expected. Um, but she's finally realizing that she can't do it alone. Um, and I think that's where she needed to get to. So so having it is, um, I think, uh, not necessarily as important to her as she thought it would be yeah. um, because it's it, it means something bigger, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Rick, what does it mean for you all in terms of your end game for season three now that Bo-Katan is... <laughs> Wielding the blade and trying to get Mandalore together. It's off yeah. to a pretty good start. Yeah, I mean, our season started with ritual, and it was the ritual of the helmet ceremony. And, and we know from Dinjar and how important that was in terms of his beliefs and his belief system. And, and I think that's part of what is, has defined Mandalorians as a culture are these rituals and beliefs. The dark saber was, uh, is among those. And, and so, in the, in the same way that I think for Din Djarin, he's had to sort of experience this journey of going from sort of, uh, you know, true dogmatic belief in, in creed that said he, should, he would never take off his helmet uh, to understanding when he met Bo and other Mandalorians that there could be uh, different ideas around this, these, these symbols and ritual. I think the Darksaber in, in many ways is, is sort of, starting to have that same kind of uh, conversation around the importance of it, both as a symbol, culturally, what does it mean to wield it? Is is that where leadership truly comes from or is it from something else? And so I think um, much as, you know, a lot of our, our culture that we've built and seen in Mandalorian has come out of these very specific symbols, it's ultimately about the people behind them and, and the culture behind it. And I think that's what all our characters are starting to to deal with as season three is coming to, to a head. Let's play my favorite game, which is called Star Wars What If. Oh, we're going to alternate okay. realities here. Okay. Which, which well, I this could be dangerous. <laughs> all right. Well, I find the, it the interesting. Multiverse. Cause, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Bo-Katan always sort of kind of mocked Din's religion and these, this, these weird religious sect of Mandalorians who don't take their helmet off. 
But then she, when she went there, she seemed to really kind of take to the group. Mm-hmm. And also, and when the armor said, take off the helmet, I guess the question is, what if she hadn't been told to take off the helmet? Is there a world where Bo-Katan joins that sect, Katie? And and uh, because she seemed to feel somewhat welcome there, at least. Yeah, I, I think that there is a world where Bo was um, contemplating staying uh, with uh, the armor um, and her group. I think it's the first time in Bo's life where she has been so readily accepted, um, or at least that's the first time she has felt that. Um, and there is a peace in knowing that you belong. And I don't know if she's ever truly felt that sense of um, comfort and acceptance from anyone. So I do believe that she's questioning her beliefs, not only because of her time with Din, um, but I think that that because of that respect that she does have for the armor um, and the Mandalorian culture and people, I think that um, she's looking at things a very, very different way now. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I, I think that, um, again, just sort of continuing the conversation around the culture of, of, of Mandalorians and, and what that means, you know, I think that Bo is in a very different place. And, and I think, you know, being a part of something is also, I think she's always been being a leader and leading her people and being that person has always been forced, you know, foremost in her mind. Um, and now she's a part of this thing where you're just one, one of the group, one of many who believe in something. And, and I think it's, it's, it's coming at a time when she sort of had this experience on Mandalore, which obviously was very meaningful and, and sort of shook up a lot of the ideas of, of what these beliefs are. And I think in many ways, this sort of coming together of church and state with the armorer and bow with sort of these beliefs that we have, which, you know, we often think of and hold on to and say, well, these are just silly superstitions. Um, but sometimes it's about how those beliefs bring people together more than what the actual thing is. And mm-hmm. I think that's where Bo and even the armor are starting to see that, you know, even from that perspective, there, there's a, we are all this, we are all from the same people. Mm-hmm. And so what does it mean that, you know, our beliefs are this specific um, and yours are not. Does yeah. that what's what binds us together and, and how do these rituals define us as a people and not necessarily, OK, if you're not doing this, you're not a part of it. You mm-hmm. know, so. mm-hmm. I, I think that it's such a beautiful metaphor for for life and and and, you know, our culture in the sense that that, you know, we don't all have the same belief systems. We interpret uh, things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but at our core, we all want uh, the primary things that we want are all the same. Yeah. Um, and I think that that sometimes it's, you know, for for the armor and bow, it's it's celebrating your similarities instead of uh, focusing on your differences. And, and it's bringing them together for the betterment of the people, which is, um, you know, where we're sort of seeing bow at yeah, right now. Yeah. Uh, pretty star-studded episode we had uh, there. Katie, what was it like working with Lizzo and Jack Black and Christopher Lloyd? Um, Christopher Lloyd is absolutely amazing. I, I met him many, many years ago, and, and he is just like, just the, the same as I feel like he always was. You know what I mean? Like when I was a kid watching him. Um, and, and Jack and Lizzo, I mean, come on. Thankfully, we got to a certain point where... It, Bo was also amused by them, yeah, so yeah. she had a smile on her face the whole time because I wouldn't have sitting there with a straight face is one of the hardest things I've ever yeah, had to do. Goodness. And thankfully, yeah. I was able to lean into that amusement as yeah, well yeah. <laughs> as Bo. They they brought out a different side of Bo. Isn't they that? did. Look at that. Look at that. See Lizzo. She did. <laughs> Lizzo has that magical effect. Yeah, <laughs> but watching her on set with Grogu yeah, was yeah. one of the funniest things because it it. I feel like I was watching myself back for the first time, yes, like because yes. she was so excited. Yes. The first time she saw him, like she was like, I swear she had a tear in her eye. <laughs> no. She was so excited to meet Grogu. Oh my goodness! Yeah, now, I, even when we first met with her, we, we yeah. did a Zoom, and she, her whole <laughs> window was filled with 
Grogu's everywhere. And she was so excited about being a part of this. And I think the thing that, you know, brings all of us together are just just the excitement about Star Wars. And and these are fans. and, And I think both Lizzo and Jack Black have been fans of the show, fans of Star Wars forever. And so it was just, uh, it's great that there are so many people Mm -hmm. who love Star Wars and love the show. And and then, yeah, when you're like, dang, Lizzo, you know? Yeah, I know, right? And Jack Black, they want to be on this. It's pretty, pretty great. Yeah, and listening to her story about how her father introduced her to Star Wars as well. Like, there's so many common stories about how Star Wars came into people's lives. And it's just that common ground again that, you know, we're all fans and, and... how it came into someone's life is always so so fun and and she's no different yeah exactly yeah. for lizzo yeah. she's not a big jib dodger fan she doesn't have jib dodger. that i mean yeah i thought i saw a tear in the other eye when she was <laughs> <laughs> when she was like i'm gonna be in a season with jib dodger sitting at a bar <laughs> she's like can i see him can i meet him <laughs> can i see him and you were playing hard to get. I, you know, you know, that's Jib Dodger only comes out every now and then. You know, the I mean, kid, the kids everywhere. Yeah, but the kids Jib everywhere, Dodger. but it gets to a point where the kid's not special anymore. But yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, we've seen, but Jib Dodger, no. He's the man. Rick, and finally, you, oh you, you directed the last two episodes. <laughs> Right, Rick, you directed the last last two episodes? Yes, I did, I did. What sort of tease can you give us? I know it's going to be very vague, but give us some sort of tease, what we can look forward to. Um, Tease, look forward to. Well, Bo, I mean, when we last left Bo, she's in possession of the Darksaber, right? And so I think, obviously, that has implications in terms of her leadership. There's, you know, these factions of Mandalorians that have to come together, and, and just the, you know the survival of the Mandalorian as a culture and people. I, I think a lot of those things are going to get grappled with in, in the, the last two episodes of the season. They're know? big yeah. episodes. When I yeah. think yeah. about what we have left to, yeah. to shove into two episodes, it amazes me that there's only two episodes yeah. left yeah. because there's so much left yeah. that I know is coming. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's only two episodes I know, I know, amazes I know. me. Like, yeah. I feel like the fans need seatbelts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. But it's uh, it's exciting. And so I I hope that when it's all said and done, that people feel sort of a sense that, you know, things have have culminated in in ways, but also there are seeds planted for where things may be going that are Mm -hmm. are exciting, too. So uh, how's that for a whole lot of something it's a whole nothing. lot of nothing yeah, yeah. you're gonna it get so great. much and it's gonna be awesome <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. gonna tell you sort of where you're going but not really and um you're gonna be really happy but also confused there's a problem there it is thanks guys that was awesome. thank you so much Thanks to Ashley Eckstein, Katie Sackoff, and Rick Famua for hanging out with us this week. And thank you for hanging out as well. If you have just 30 seconds, please follow, rate, and review the podcast. We'd really appreciate it. You can connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW at Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly. Everywhere else, you can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morg Lore. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week as we can finally talk all about how The Rise of Skywalker is the greatest movie (laughs) ever made in existence. Isn't that right, Lauren? Isn't that right? All right. We'll we'll see you then, everybody. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.